What is up, everybody? Welcome to the show. I see things a little differently. And this month's July's match of the month will be a bit different. I'm going to give you a bunch of matches that I think you should watch. Um, but the whole point of this episode, like I said, it's going to be different. I want to try something different. It's going to be the history of the WWE Championship in 1997. And I'm actually going to do the same thing in August, but I'm going to give you history, but I'm going to give you the history of the WCW championship in 2000. Boy, that will be a trip. Um, I don't know what made me decide to do this. I just started, I just had this idea. I was like, let me just try something different. And so this is what I came up with. Um, and I'll give you a couple matches that I think are, are, are worth watching with the championship on the line. And we'll just go through the entire history of the title changes, the behind the scenes stuff, all that good stuff. And we're going to do the same thing for next month for WCW 2000. Let's get it started. Going into 1997, Psycho Sid was the WWE champion. Now, he had won the championship Survivor Series 1996, where he was in Madison Square Garden and super. I think that was the most over Sid was ever. Like, the crowd was clearly pro him. They hated Shawn Michaels. Even the whole scene when Sid hit Jose Lothario with the uh, camera was cheered. Like, I remember, I, I think I told you guys this before, 96 was my, was when I was really, like, starting to drive in and become a, like, I was a fan before then, but I became a super fan in 1996, which is whatever. Well, obviously, that's not how it's supposed to go. The whole thing was supposed to happen the way it did, but it was supposed to be Vader becoming the new WWE champion. But because Sean complained, um, it, it, Vader never got his run with the championship. Matter of fact, Vader never held gold in the WWE whatever, whatsoever. But Sid was over. I think Sid started getting over. The first time I can remember Sid really getting over over was SummerSlam 1996 when he defeated the British Bulldog. Like people were pounding him, fist pounding him, all this other stuff. And I think it was the first time I was like, oh wow, he's he's on another level. But this was ridiculous, you know. So he won the WWE Championship 96 Survivor Series. Then he defended against Bret Hart. Well, Sean accidentally screwed Bret Hart out of the match, which led to a brawl between Sean and Bret. Now, Sid coming into this year as a champion, he goes to San Antonio at the Royal Rumble to face Shawn Michaels in a rematch for Shawn Michaels' WWE Championship. Shawn Michaels ended up winning the championship back in a very subpar match. It wasn't even good. Even the sweet shit music, Shawn Michaels slipped. He ended up hitting him like in his shoulder. It just wasn't good. But that changed the title right there. Boom. Now we have a new champion beginning of the month. Less than a month later, you have a Thursday, Raw Thursday. I remember, I wasn't into dirt sheets at the time, but I remember going into that week of Thursday, Raw Thursday, I believe Raw's preempted because of the dog show or whatever the fuck. Um, I believe, I, I mean, I, I know, I, I remember this feeling like it was yesterday. I remember like going into it, I was like, man, something big is going to happen. I'm not going to be able to watch it. I can't remember why I couldn't watch it because we had cable at the time. Um, we would lose cable later on in the year, but I don't remember. I just don't remember. Anyways, going in, I knew something big was happening, and it did. 
Shawn Michaels in the infamous I Lost My Smile forfeited the WWE Championship less than a month into his second title run. So, let's rewind now. At the Royal Rumble, Steve Austin had his coming out. I know Austin 316 was his coming out party the year before King of the Ring, but this was his true coming out party where he had the diesel spot. He's eliminating people after people after people until Bret Hart comes out. These two are still in the middle of their feud, and boy, did they go at it, which led to the most controversial Royal Rumble moment of all time, where you have Vader left, you have The Undertaker left, you have the fake Diesel left, which is Glenn Jacobs, a.k.a. Kane, which is Bret Hart left, and Steve Austin left. Diesel gets tossed out by Bret Hart, excuse me. Austin gets tossed out by Bret Hart, but the referees aren't paying attention because Mankind and Terry Funk are brawling on the outside, so all the referees have now sent their attention towards that way, Right? All of a sudden, you have four left. You have the fake Diesel, Bret Hart, Undertaker, Vader. Well, Austin sees that he's been uh, that sees that no one seems to be eliminated. Well, he sneaks back in, eliminates Undertaker and Vader. Bret Hart eliminates Diesel, and Austin eliminates Bret Hart. Wins the Royal Rumble. Bret Hart uh, protests and grabs Vince McMahon by his shirt. You, I'm being screwed, and blah blah blah. Austin leaves with his first of three Royal Rumble victories. So, Gorilla Monsoon decided that at first, this failed four-way match in, in your house in February was supposed to be to determine who the number one contender was. Bret Hart was supposed to win that, and then in the rematch at WrestleMania 13, he was supposed to drop, oh, excuse me, Shawn Michaels was supposed to drop the title to Bret Hart. Now, see, that's interesting. Let's touch on that for a second. If everything goes to plan, and Shawn Michaels drops the title to Bret Hart. I don't think, like, if you look at if you look at it at that time, I just don't see a good path for Bret Hart, especially as a babyface. Plus, on top of that, who would have been his opponent? I'm assuming Steve Austin would have been his opponent. But even then, do you then get the double turn? Like, so many things had to happen the way they did. Now, I'm sure at the time. This wasn't like seen as a good thing because, you know, you have your top guy dropping the belt. He lost his smile, blah, blah, blah. But it everything worked the way it was meant to work. So anyways, you get to In Your House, February. Now, the stakes have been raised higher. This failed four-way match for the, is now not just for the number one contendership, but for the WWE Championship. And these were very unique rules. That's why it's called In Your House Final Four. You could be eliminated by over-the-top rope. Pinfall or submission. And the main event featured Steve Austin, Bret Hart, Vader, The Undertaker. So, this is one of the matches I think you should watch. This is one of the matches we're going to put on there. Sting, one of the matches of the month. Because I thought it was a blo- Vader was bloody to be damned. It was a brutal war. Um, sorry, I'm trying to do something on my phone. Um, it was just really good all around. The first elimination was Vader. As he's trying to go for a Vader bomb on Undertaker, Austin hits him with a low blow. Vader goes over the top rope. Then Undertaker eliminates Steve Austin, but then Undertaker is distracted by Austin, which leads to Bret turning him around, clothesline over the top rope. No one was actually hurt in this match because no one tapped out and no one was pinned. Very unique. So essentially, it was a four-way battle royal, but the stakes were just as high as it could be. So Bret Hart then got his fourth 
WWE Championship, but that would not last very long. The very next night on Raw, Sid has now invoked his rematch clause. While Bret Hart has Sid in the sharpshooter, Austin, while, while Earl Hebner is down looking at Sid, asking if Sid's going to tap out, Austin comes up, nails Bret Hart with the chair, chair, a steel chair in the head. Uh, Sid powerbombs Bret Hart, and now Sid is a two-time WWE champion and heading to WrestleMania. So now, this leads to Bret Hart, Steve Austin submission match. We don't even need to go there, but that, it, that you can ding! Match of the month number two, you can do you can watch that as well. One of probably the best double turns of all time, if not the best, and honestly, the most important double turn in WWE history. I said it, I mean it, I'm never taking it back. But then that leads to the main event being changed to Psycho Sid versus the Undertaker. Yes, you're for all of you who hate Sid, he technically has two WrestleMania main events to his name one against hogan and one against the take undertaker crazy world we live in right well anyways getting there we have one final stop the week before wrestlemania bret hart gets his rematch bret hart said steel cage the winner gets the title and main events wrestlemania now remember these matches are set in stone so if bret hart wins he now will take that championship and defend it against steve austin but that means the Undertaker's out of a championship match. So Undertaker essentially just screws Brett. Brett's like celebrating about to go leave the walk out the cage. Undertaker slams the cage door in his face. Sid jumps down. This leads to a brawl of all brawls, but also the best promo of Bret Hart's life. When he just goes and curses up a storm. He's like, everyone in that goddamn dressing room knows them the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. One of the best promos of his career 97 bret hart is my favorite bret hart it's the only time i've ever liked bret hart before i could care less about bret hart without a doubt he had great matches but he for me he was in the same category as edge you have great matches you just don't appeal to me you're not for me you know what i'm saying i know some people it's hard for them to hear when it's one of your favorites like how can you not be? same way i like jay lethal doesn't mean he's for you right I like Daniels and Kazarian. AJ Styles doesn't mean they're for you. You know what I'm saying? But 97 Bret Hart, I loved everything about it. I loved, actually, I love Bret Hart from the time he lost the championship at WrestleMania 12 to Bre Shawn Michaels. And he's walking out and a Canadian flag is thrown on him. And he's like leaving in a huff. And he throws the flag in the crowd. I loved him since then to the end of 97, the screw job. I loved everything about Bret Hart then. Moving on. Now, WrestleMania 13, the main event in a, this will not be one of your matches of the month. Sid loses his second championship to The Undertaker, which will get his second and his longest reigning championship to this day. He had this uninterrupted run from here till SummerSlam, but it starts here, getting his championship. Now, the title does not change hands until SummerSlam, but all throughout this period, you have the first match is Cold Day in Hell in your house. Undertaker defends against Mankind. Then you have Reve excuse me, Revenge of the Taker uh, is the first in your house after WrestleMania. He defends against Mankind. Then you have Cold Day in Hell. Austin loses to Undertaker. 
Then you have the King of the Ring where Farouk challenges The Undertaker in a pretty decent match where Farouk asks Vince McMahon, hey, when has a black man ever held your championship? How crazy is that? You know, they went there um, in 97. I, I loved it. You know, I didn't think Farouk was going to win, but I actually ordered King of the Ring based off this match, Farouk versus Undertaker and Steve Austin versus Shawn Michaels uh, and Tag Team Championship Partners um facing off for the first time i believe in wwe history then you move on to uh, in your house canadian stampede it's universally known as the greatest in your house of all time to me that's subjective obviously i do think it's the probably um hmm hmm, hmm. it's the most it's the most celebrated because of the atmosphere and that summer where literally it was just bizarre world and it felt like they were in the, I, I don't think to this day they've gone to Canada more but it felt like everything was just perfectly lined up every other week they're in some part of Canada you come back to the states the next week you go back to Canada they've never done a schedule like that since they usually do a tour of Canada then they're done with it it was just set up so freaking perfectly um but yeah the championship does not change hands Again, until SummerSlam, where the stakes are high. Bret Hart wins, he gets a championship. Bret Hart loses, he can never wrestle in America again. This leads to one of the greatest feuds of all time, where Bret, and this this is one of your matches of the month as well. Ding! Bret versus the Undertaker, SummerSlam 97. Shawn Michaels is the special guest referee. Bret has a, chair, has a steel chair taken out of his hand by Shawn Michaels. Sean says, what are you going to do? Brett just spit, hawk, hawk spits in Sean's face. It's disgusting. And Sean turns around and absolutely decks the Undertaker with the steel chair. Bret Hart gets on top. Sean reluctantly, because Sean had stakes of his own too. He had to call right down the middle or he could never wrestle again either. Sean reluctantly counts the three count. One, two, three. Bret Hart is a five-time WWE champion. This is also the same night where Owen Hart dropped Steve Austin on his head. So many things happened this night. And Undertaker was a bloody mess. Well, then this leads to the heel turn where Shawn Michaels comes up the very next night, gets booed. He is being just... First of all, the boo started at King of the Ring 97 when he was in the ring with Steve Austin. Let's just be real there. But then it continued and it continued. And finally... He was full-fledged heel the next now Raw when he said, I don't give a damn what anyone thinks of me. And that same night, he lays the Undertaker out with another steel chair, bloodies the Undertaker. And also, this is essentially the formation of Degeneration X. Even more, even before he said the name, this is the, gener- the, the genesis of that. Now, you have Bret Hart now the champion. He now goes, and he is honestly an afterthought. He has matches, because... Now, the main event, the next two pay-per-views is Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker. The next pay-per-view is Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, Ground Zero. They go to a no contest where Undertaker does a big dive on a group of wrestlers. But then, Hell in a Cell, the genesis of it, that main event to the next in your house. Bret Hart was facing the Patriot. Bret Hart was having flag matches. The championship was actually a forbidden, com- uh, forgotten commodity. And I remember I watched the Bret Hart documentary a, a few times. I might still have it in my DVD collection in Atlanta. I don't know. But I remember him saying how 
he really wanted a longer run when he defeated Diesel in 96, 95 Survivor Series. He felt he should have had it for like a year or two. First of all, Bret Hart having the championship for two years, not drawing anything. I'm sorry. Sean wasn't drawing, especially after the whole NWA thing. Bret Hart definitely was not going to draw. Because let's, let's be real. Yeah, even though he had a great match with British Bulldog, uh, the next pay-per-view, I mean... At that point in time, it was really evolving to be sports entertainment. I know that's a WWE thing, but the whole NWO thing was just pure. Uh, it was literally Picasso painting a picture, you know. And 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 once again, Bret Hart is there's no bigger fan of Bret Hart than Bret Hart, right? And, and that's the way it should be sometimes, I guess. We all have egos healthier than some, some healthier than others, right? Well, anyways, um. I don't think that should happen. Now, here, he felt like he was a forgotten commodity, right? Here, he definitely was. His last two championship reigns were were definitely forgotten. I think his third title reign was probably his best. If you look at his first title run, he won it on a, not even a televised show. Like they, they now we have the network, so you don't know what was televised or not unless you listen to shoot interviews. But that, at that time, it wasn't televised when he defeated Ric Flair for the title. You know, and then his second run came when he defeated Yokozuna at WrestleMania 10. But to me, the third reign was his best just because of how he won the title from Diesel. Then he had a classic with Bulldog. Then he had a great match with uh, Diesel and well, Undertaker, then Diesel, then Shawn Michaels. I think that was his best run as far as title reigns go, as title challengers. It was all true heavyweights. But that's just my opinion. But he was, the fifth reign was definitely forgotten about. But here's the thing. It was the first time in there. I, I want to say, and I could be wrong, and someone's going to tell me if I'm wrong on that, which is fine. I believe when Shawn Michaels nailed Undertaker with that steel chair, that was the first time those two had ever touched in, in WWE. I don't think they ever crossed paths. Maybe in a Royal Rumble, but even then, I don't think that's true as well. Even if you look at when Shawn came back, they didn't touch until WrestleMania 25. Those two were always kept so far apart. That's why their matches were always so big. It always felt so enormous. You know, like when you look at it, like Shawn Michaels accidentally cost him the championship. But then once the fans turned on Shawn, Shawn's like, fine, I'll give you a real reason to turn on me. And he just beat the fuck out of Taker. But then Taker would get his revenge or whatever. But it was just, but then at the same time, Undertaker was also in this side thing where all of 97, Paul Bear was threatening that King was coming. You know, because if you look at Undertaker's run, it was very bipolar. Remember, Paul Bear turned on him SummerSlam 96. You look at, like, he Paul Bear was by his side when, his, when he was champion because he was blackmailing the Undertaker. There were so many subplots to here. To me, it was a big part of the genius of the writing of 97. You had subplots that you can easily forget but go back and look at your history. For a good part, uh, I want to say up until right before Canadian Stampede, Undertaker was being managed by Paul Bearer again because he was being blackmailed. Final Undertaker said, no, fuck you. And then Paul Bearer said, oh, Kane is coming. And all, everything like that. So this the 97 was just perfection from WWE on at the main event level, if that makes any sense. Everything was setting up to be the big boom that it would happen to be. Anyways, 
So now you get to, and mind you, the one thing I left out was Hell in a Cell was for the number one contendership. The winner of Hell in a Cell got shot at the WWE champion, Bret Hart, Survivor Series, November 9th, 1997, Gang Rules. Shawn Michaels wins. Shawn gets, Shawn gets the, the match. And even during the match, JR kept saying this would be the last time you'll ever see this match because Bret Hart signed with um, WCW. We all know what this led to be, which was a Montreal screw job. I literally did an entire show of what led to that. That's in the archives. Go back and listen to that. I don't know the number of it, but just go back in the archives and check it. It's We're not going to even go there. But that is your 1997. Shawn Michaels leaves. Sid comes in as champion. Strong leaves as champion, which which then led to Austin getting it. Um, but to me, this was the most important year in the rebirth of the WWF slash E. And that championship only changed hands a few times. But if you look at the people who had it, Sid, Sean, Brett, Taker. Only four people had the belt. But to me, all four needed to have the title for a reason. Like, Brett didn't need to defend the title against Austin. Brett needed to have the double turn happen to him. Sean needed to air quotes, you can't see me doing air quotes, I'm doing air quotes, lose his smile in order to then get the belt back at gang rules. The Undertaker then needed that championship for that longer run, but also the subplot of Paul Bearer and Kane coming for him. And Sid needed to be the transitional champion each time who could just have it for just a little bit of time just to get to that next more important person and more important storyline. So that is your match of the month. A total total history of the 97 WWE Championship. But check out those three matches. Whether it's SummerSlam 97, Bret Hart versus Undertaker with Shawn Michaels, a special guest referee. Farouk versus Aaron Taker for WWE Championship, King of the Ring 1997. Um, I would even dare say freaking Fatal 4-Way or In Your House uh, Final 4, excuse me. Um, those are some really important matches and really good matches, I think. So that is your match of the month for July. We already know where we're going in August. August match of the month will be the history of WCW Championship in 2000. The stories, the plot lines, everything behind the scenes that we know. Some of the things we may find out as I do more research. So, anyways, that is your show. I am the Slow Chemical. We are out.